Hello listeners, this is John Wordsworth and you're listening to the second episode of The Divide, a podcast about all things geeky. So I'm here with Chris and Ben, both from the slightly warmer lands of the UK compared to Sweden. Uh, And with the recent launch of the iPad Pro, we're going to talk a bit about tablets and their future alongside laptops. But first, let's, uh, let's just say hello. So Ben... How's it going over there in the UK? Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's cold. It's grey, so it's perfect for me because I hate any kind of weather that is not that. <laughs> Curse the sun. Well, that's a really good way to entice new listeners to the show, isn't it? <laughs> I hate everything. Listen to my podcast. I don't hate everything. I, I hate most things, and I hate the, the weather the most. It's it's funny because like quite often when clients. Like phone me up, like, oh hey Ben, how's it going? I'm like, yeah, it's good. They're like, oh, the weather's so nice here in San Francisco. It's so hot. It's so great. I'm gonna catch some rays on the beach later. How's it over there in the UK? And I'm like, it's uh it's hot and sunny here. It's it's uh, yeah. And they're like, oh, that must be great. I'm like, no, no <laughs> I, I have blackout curtains and I'm still hot. The air conditioning on. Um, I'm gonna go into the basement later. So you can come over and join me in Sweden. If yeah, you'd like yeah. it here. I like Sweden. <laughs> And how about you, Chris? How's everything going? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, it's it's raining down here in Devon, which is a fairly standard Devon day. Godless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's cold and it's grey and it's raining. Uh, but actually, that it's um, pr- something that you probably don't experience in um, in the North Pole where you are is uh, that it's gone from being really pleasant t-shirt weather this at the start of the week. To suddenly, it like dropped about ten degrees, and it, it's just very, very unpleasantly cold all of a sudden. Nice. Well, we uh, we had this horrible thing at the beginning of November when the clocks change, and uh, yeah, we well, they do that all over the world. No way. <laughs> yeah. But it makes it sort of it goes from ah, you leave work and it's just a light to it gets dark at four fifteen in the afternoon now, and it's just getting earlier and earlier. You're like, oh no, the darkness is here. And you get like uh, days where it's only you only get like four hours of daylight over there. Uh, we're in the south, so uh, Stockholm's quite far south. But I have a couple of friends who live up in the north of Sweden, like 800 miles further north than Stockholm. Right. And uh, they have basically a month or two of one end of the year where it doesn't really get light. <laughs> and then the other end of the year where it doesn't really get dark. Like they'll be up at three in the morning doing yeah, cleaning the car or something because there's no real sense of time of day because the sun's up so uh, sounds pretty horrible ben i think you'd probably like that wouldn't you i i would love it you'd <laughs> love the bit just, yeah. like i like it when it's i mean this isn't the weather podcast but who cares uh, <laughs> I, I like it when it's cold outside and you can go outside for a bit and be like oh it's cold and wet out here it's horrible but then you see your house and you're like oh yeah it's light it's gonna be nice and warm in there you have a nice cup of tea and everything will be better. And then you can look outside and see people in the rain or being blown <laughs> around with umbrellas. And it's hilarious. And I love it. You just like sitting there watching <laughs> other people misfortune. Yeah, that's pretty much my life. I like watching <laughs> others misfortune. Cool. So let's start uh, so, off with a bit yeah, of a yeah. follow up from, uh, from the last show. And there's a couple of points that we can jump back to when we talked about our favorite games. And uh, Portal 2 Steam Workshop is. Yeah, so I loaded up Portal 2 after our uh, conversation in the last uh, show. Um, really, because I wanted to see if what I'd said was true. Because I said that there was an update that added 
uh, support for the Steam controller. And then I thought, did I make that up or was that true? And I <laughs> loaded it up and I was like, oh yeah, that is. And then I scrolled down a little bit and there was this thing called uh, the Workshop. And I was like, what's this? And then I realized that they've added like this whole thing where people can create their own portal test chambers using the uh, stuff that Steam give them. Um, and there's like loads of downloadable, really, really awesome extra test chambers. Uh, and I downloaded one, uh, which is called 12 Angry Tests Part 1. <laughs> uh, and it's epic. You start off in like a little room, like you always do, and you look out, and there's like a big beach. And you go out a side door, and then when you go round, you, you realize you're just in a big warehouse, and there's like little fake boards showing like a picture of a beach that you were looking at. <laughs> but you go back, and it, when you go into the room, it's like a proper skybox. And then when you come out, they must like remove the skybox, and then there's just these little crappy boards but it's really good really funny um so yeah that was that was epic so if you like portal 2 and you're you know thinking portal 3 is never going to come because steam are so slow at everything uh then go and check out the workshop and you can just download hundreds and hundreds of extra test chambers i'm sure some of them are terrible i've not really played with it properly um but the ones that i've seen so far have been awesome really good sounds really cool i I remember when the I don't know if they're really modding tools, but like you say, the, the test chamber creation tools came out and um, playing with them a little bit. And it wasn't wasn't too hard to make something pretty cool. And now I imagine that there's probably, like you say, there's probably 10,000 awful ones and maybe 100 good ones. But that's still 100 good ones. So, you know. Yeah. It reminds me of I used to play a lot of uh, Counter-Strike back in the day. Um, and I used to make a few maps and stuff for that. And we had one uh, in our boarding house that I'd made like a recreation of it so we could play 36-player Counter-Strike in the place we were playing it. <laughs> and we did Hostage Rescue where we'd steal the Housemaster's kids. It was a bit weird. <laughs> and I had another one um, which I downloaded uh, where it just replaced the hostages with Terence and Philip. Right. <laughs> so every time he'd go and rescue a hostage, like in Italy, they'd be like, we got the hostages. They'd be like, hi, buddy. Chase after you and flying behind you. Oh, it was great. Ah, uh, sweet. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so uh, Portal 2 Steam Workshop seems like it's worth checking out again. Just uh, as a little side note to that, I just had a, I just popped onto Steam and uh, Portal 2 is only like £3 at the moment. So, well, no, actually, I, buy, I might have to edit that out because I'm sure by the time this goes live, that'll be, it'll, I'm sure it'll be back up to full price. But uh, <laughs> full price a little disclaimer if you log on to Steam right now, Portal may or may not be. <laughs> It's cheap all the time. I mean, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's either going to be cheap or even more cheap. It's like if you're a bit of a tight ass, you can definitely get it for two or three quid. Just wait for the end of the month. There's usually a sale on on the portal stuff. So. But as we discussed last week, if it was sixty pounds, it would be worth it. It was so, an awesome game. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. So if you uh, if you missed that conversation, of course, then you can always uh, go back and download our first episode on iTunes, which is uh, probably the, the second thing I would recommend doing after you subscribe to our podcast. Oh, yeah. And the third thing is playing Portal 2 again, because we're better than Portal 2. So, uh, yeah. Okay, good. I was, trying to, I was trying to work that out in my head. It's like, <laughs> is he saying that you should play Portal instead of listen to our podcast? <laughs> the Divide, home of the logic puzzle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Challenging you every day. So uh, up next, we've got the Apple TV, and that has evolved a little bit since we talked about it on our last show. Ben? Uh, yeah, so 
uh, on the last show I said, uh, I mean, we'd only had the Apple TV for, I think, a day when we recorded it last time. <laughs> and one of the things was that app discoverability uh, was terrible uh, because you literally had the featured screen from Apple, you had search, and you had your... That, in fact, that was it. And then later in the day, they added purchases so you could see anything you'd already previously bought, including like iPad and iPhone games that were also on the Apple TV. And now they have charts with the top grossing and top free and top paid, uh, and they have categories. So you can go, ooh, shopping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's slightly good. So um, literally probably the day after we said that there's terrible discoverability, they've improved it so it's now only slightly terrible discoverability. Cool. They're obviously listening to The Divide and going, that, that is a very important point. We'll fix that. Yeah. yeah, they obviously downloaded our first episode and then sent someone back in time to fix it because we haven't actually, at the time of recording this, we haven't published that first episode yet. But um... If anyone has a time machine, it's going to be Johnny Ive. <laughs> <laughs> and rather than go back to key points in history, he'll be going to the early recordings of his favourite podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. And making them thinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'm um, actually interest, interesting. You you mentioned that obviously I don't have a new Apple TV, so I can't really comment on this. But um, the the discoverability isn't that a bit of an issue across all of Apple's app, various app stores. Like it's really difficult to actually find something. You can't just go on a browse. You can only find the stuff that they want you to see. Is that right? It isn't easy, is it? I mean, no. there are. I guess what they've done to try and resolve it is just have tons and tons of categories right so you can see the top 100 of about 30 categories yeah. i guess that's their solution which does give you a fairly widespread of apps but you're right it is quite hard to kind of unless you know the name of an app heard it from a friend maybe seen it on a website or heard about it on a podcast then you don't really know what to search for so no and the number of things i like it really really irritates me the number of things that get featured by apple that are either things that have been featured previously so just showing you again or they double them up like they have them in the banner at the top and then they have them in the first spot underneath the banner so it's taking up even more space or things like i was looking at the um ipad pro uh games or games optimized for ipad pro and one of them is tiny wings hd which was updated last october 2014 <laughs> and it's like this has not been optimized for the largest screen it's just going to be the original one blown up because mm. they didn't have the tools necessary to do that so it's not optimized for ipad pro is it apple you liars <laughs> um whereas there are probably good games out there that should get featured that aren't because you know they just aren't but i guess it's tough from their perspective as well i mean when you've got however many apps now you probably know this ben like half a million maybe many many millions i'm not sure there's five apps for every child <laughs> in China. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, so there's a, a bucket ton of apps, and I guess it's hard for them as well. But, um, but that's, that's good news about the Apple TV and the charts coming in, because at least there's a slight more usability there. So. Yeah, it's better than nothing, because also you don't want to be searching or browsing, because you couldn't even browse. It's just mm. look at the top. 50 apps out of what are probably three, 4,000 at the moment. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share just, just one little piece of excitement before we move on to the main meat of the show. And that is something awesome that's happened since the last show. And it's Fallout 4. Ha oh, ha, yeah. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> what, is gonna... it in a, in a good way or a bad way, Ben? 
this is why I spent seven hours yesterday trying to install Windows. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I foolishly put Fallout 4. I've never played a Fallout game. I put it on my Christmas list for Xbox One. And now everyone's playing it, and I'm like, well, I want to play it. But now people have started buying stuff off my list, so I don't know if people have bought it, so I can't buy it. So I was like, ah. And then I thought, I'm going to get a gaming PC at some point because I want to play it at like higher than 1080p. And then I realized, I have a 5K iMac. I can put Windows on this. And then I could just get a pirated copy of Fallout 4 and play that and see if I like not, it. Not a pirated copy, Ben. Yeah, a pirated a copy. Demo, an extended like demo. No, no, a pirated one. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then, because well, presumably I would then get on the Xbox One later, but then I could at least see what everyone's talking about and I could look at it and go, yeah, this looks good. Um, but I couldn't because Bootcamp hates me. <laughs> I hate Windows and basically nothing would work. Um, so I haven't been able to try it. And I went to bed last night really annoyed because I was like, I don't even want to play Fallout 4. I just want the satisfaction of the option of being able to have installed it and yeah. be able to play the first five minutes and go, yeah, that looks good. Yeah. That's all I want. I'm not going to turn this into a Fallout 4 review because, you know, that's not what we're here for. But I'm going to very quickly say the first hour and a half is awesome. Like, they've really tightened it up from the earlier games. And uh, all the extra stuff, it's basically the old Fallout games, just more and better. So uh, it doesn't look, like, amazing, like a shiny Battlefront-type game. But it is, it's all about the quantity of stuff. Like, you look across the horizon and there's, like, hundreds of trees and bits of rubble and old buildings and stuff it's like yeah that's all stuff i can explore so it's pretty awesome and i'm really enjoying it but again i don't want to turn into a fallout 4 review but go and buy it can you look out from uh the window of a building and see people being blown about by the rain with their umbrellas turning inside out because if you could i think that ben would really enjoy that game well you can mod this game so maybe Ah. i will make a specific mod for you benjamin yeah Yeah, the people caught in bad weather mod (laughs) Grumpy old man, mod. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm not quite quite as uh, at the forefront of technology as uh, my co-host here. So I've been playing Fallout New Vegas on my <laughs> Xbox 360 recently. On my Commodore uh, 64. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have I have nothing that will play Fallout for. So uh, I've just been reliving the good old days. But um, I really love Fallout and. Uh, I, again, I don't want to turn this into an extended conversation because we, we're actually here to talk about tablets. But um, I, I, something that I find quite interesting, it'd be, it'd be good if, if Ben does get to play it, actually, because what I'd quite like to have at a later date is a conversation about um, like the difference between Fallout and Elder Scrolls because they're both made by the same publishers. And I really don't get on with the Elder Scrolls games at all, but I love Fallout so much. Um, so the just uh, I thought that might be an interesting discussion. Sounds good. Uh, mm. This could be a good segue into our topic for the day. Yeah. Uh, because, John, you've been experimenting with the Pip-Boy app, haven't you? Yeah, certainly have. So the last cool feature of Fallout 4, which will segue nicely into the main topic, is that you can load up the Pip-Boy app on your phone, iPad, probably Android crap too. But, um, <laughs> and... Then you can control... So in the game, you find the Pip-Boy, which is like a little computer which sticks to your arm, and it does everything, like the inventory management. You can look around the map and fast travel, and you can you know, see your experience. You can even use stim packs and stuff, but you can do all of that from your tablet or your phone, which is pretty cool because obviously it fits in with the theme really well. I've got my, my iPad. When I play Fallout 4 now, my iPad just sits down to the bottom left of my keyboard. 
Um, so instead of pushing the button in game to look at my Pip-Boy, I can just look down in real life, which obviously has that nice... It emulates what you're doing in the game really well. But it's also kind of cool because you've still got the game up and running. So you can just sort of look around the map, fast travel from your iPad, watch it happen in the game. So, uh, yeah, that is, that is a pretty awesome feature. And I wonder if it works on the iPad Pro. Of course it does. But it does because yeah. I, I, <laughs> I downloaded it while I was feeling cocky while I was installing Windows. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to get me some Fallout on this. Uh, it's not iPad Pro optimized, but it works. Um, cool. And it has a demo mode, so I could see how it looks, uh, but I couldn't connect it to anything, sadly. But that brings us nicely into the main, the main meat of the show, which is the discussion about the way tablets are going and maybe whether one day there'll be a lot smaller need for laptops and we'll all just be walking around with our tablets that do everything that we do with our laptops today. So um, I guess this is mostly brought about by the release of the iPad Pro, which with the little keyboard case and the pencil is, I guess, Apple's take on what the Surface Pro was going for, which is bridging this gap between the two technologies. So um, we're going to kick off and discuss what devices we currently use. Now, I'm going to ask you to keep this short, Ben, because I suspect you can probably <laughs> list every iPad that's been released. Yeah, but <laughs> just go to the Apple Store website. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe we'll kick off with you, Chris. What devices are you currently using? Um, so I have a Mac Mini, uh, the 2012 Mac Mini, um, upstairs in my home office, which is that was my first Mac, and I bought that when my PC just died, and I couldn't be bothered to rebuild it. So I thought I'd just get a computer that works. So I had my Mac Mini, and that was my that was my primary machine for probably two years, and um, then luckily last year I had the opportunity to get a MacBook Air. So I also have a. Uh, I think it's an early 2014 MacBook Air or a late 2014 MacBook Air. Um, early 2014 MacBook Air. So I've got that, which is um, I, I has probably become my primary computer because it is just it is so incredibly portable and um, gloriously lightweight and and thin. Uh, I mean, it doesn't game at all. Um, uh, and the, I mean, the the Mac Mini games surprisingly well uh like you can play starcraft 2 on it considering it's only got onboard graphics and the computer itself is tiny um so it obviously it can't be that that beefier graphics um on the board but no it, it games surprisingly well and, uh, um, and here comes uh, some phones ah. here comes our co-host alistair today hello alistair yeah you're gonna say hello to the people listening Okay, good. Um, uh, yes, that was brilliant timing, Alistair, because you want to cuddle. Okay, Daddy is talking about his technology. What do you play with? What do you like to play with, Daddy's iPad, don't you? Daddy's iPad. Yeah, so uh, um, I have a, I've got an iPad 3, which I have had for a few years, and I have an iPhone 5, which I've had for feels like a very long time <laughs> <laughs> and uh let's let's kick this off ben what, what are you currently using in, in the way of devices oh right okay so computers <laughs> right sit down <laughs> settle in boys <laughs> uh, i currently have a late 2014 
27-inch 5K iMac. Um, I've got one of the 12-inch MacBooks with the USB-C stuff. Um, so that's, they're the only two computers I've got at the moment. Um, and then I've got a... We've got loads of iPads in this house because as I have them for development stuff, they tend not to... I don't tend to sell them, I just tend to keep them afterwards and then the house is full of iPads. So I think we've got, we had four at the beginning of the week and now we're back down to three um, because I sent my sister my iPad 2. So at the moment we've got an iPad 3 which is, uh, I've got a magnetic case which holds it to the fridge Um, and then on there I use AirPlay and stuff for the speakers in the kitchen Uh, and we put like recipes and stuff on it and we have family sharing to put our shopping list and stuff in so we can constantly add stuff to it when we think of it. And sometimes I pick that up and stick it on the cross trainer in the rare times that I do some exercise to watch Netflix or whatever. Um, and then uh, I've got an iPad Air, uh, just the first one, and now, as of uh, Thursday, an iPad Pro. Uh, and then phone-wise, uh, I'm just using an iPhone 6S at the moment. Um, yes. I did have the iPhone 6 Plus, but uh, I went back down to the 6S size, which I'm regretting slightly. I'm thinking I should have gone for the 6S Plus, but anyway. And then an Apple Watch. Ah, yes. So really, I have too much. I, I like When I get a text message, the house it just comes <laughs> alive. With, yeah. oh. As you point out, though, you are actually a professional Apple developer, so you kind of... Well, yeah, you say that. You kind but, of need to have access to all of the stuff so you can make sure it works can't you oh uh, you would think so and i do have like a, i'm looking over at the window and i've got a 5c and a 5s and a 4s lined up at iphones um and i do occasionally test on them but there's a simulator for that so <laughs> most of the time it's good simulator um the reason I have most of this stuff is just because I like buying things. Yeah, <laughs> especially like, if they have an Apple logo on. I, yeah. One of the things that we'll probably talk about in, in this is the use of tablets. And, and to be honest, I rarely use iPads. I mean, I've had every single generation that's come out, apart from the fourth generation and the iPad Air 2. Mm. Uh, and I don't really use them very often. Um, but maybe the Pro will change that. We'll find out. Have you ever used uh, an iPad Mini? Oh yeah, I had an iPad Mini at one point. Um, I got it before the uh, the very first one, so it didn't have a Retina display. Mm. So I went from the iPad three, which did, down to the iPad Mini, uh, and I liked the form factor, but the lack of Retina display just killed me because I had the iPhone four or four S at the time. Yeah, yeah, the iPad three, and it's just horrible trying to go back down to non-retina graphics um so then i didn't when it when it came to the upgrade time i went to the ipad air because that changed the form factor to match the mini in a sense and that you had yeah. much thinner sides it was much lighter um and i never went back to the mini i think nowadays i think the mini's days are probably numbered realistically now that you've got like the six plus phone which yes. is huge um I wonder whether the iPad Mini will hang around that much longer. They do keep upgrading it, though, don't they? I mean, they they recently put all of the technology of the iPad Air 2 into the iPad Mini 4. Uh, Yeah. I think the primary selling point for the... I mean, I I think that one of the main selling points of the Mini is like it's a a bit of a Kindle-like size device. 
Mm. So a lot of these people who have uh, paper white Kindles and stuff and want something a bit better than that, but the same size to replace their Kindle so they can see things in colour and do a bit more. I think they're like, yeah, I can get that. And it's kind of light and small and they can take it on flights and things. So I can see, mm. the, I can see the, the niche there for it still, but like you say, it's probably getting smaller. So, um, mm. but, but then quickly... it's like a niche market for Apple. I mean, they're probably selling, mm. you know, yeah. <laughs> several yeah. billion pounds time. worth of yeah. iPad minis. And it's probably small fry to them, but it'd be its own business to anyone else, really. I'm going yeah. to quickly whip through my technology, but it's not too dissimilar. Somewhere in the middle of you two guys. So I've got my gaming PC, which is obviously for Fallout 4. And anything else, which is uh, Shining Coin is the 1440p display, which is awesome. So glad I bought that. Um, MacBook Pro, which I had primarily for like my my work before I started working for Paradox. And obviously I did app development, but it's pretty good. So you can get a game on it as well because it's the Retina one, the Retina MacBook mm. Pro from 2013 with a real graphics card. Uh, then I've got iPad Air 2, which was actually a gift from Paradox, which is pretty awesome. Um are they hiring? Because that sounds like a great place to work. <laughs> uh, I'd like to just point out for legal reasons, uh, it is not a gift. Uh, it yeah. is a work machine. Yeah, uh, yeah. That is actually true. Due to tax reasons. That is actually yeah. true. It was, um, it was <laughs> given to us for beta testing, like whatever. <laughs> Even it's though not a gift. We don't make apps for them, but yeah, it's for beta testing. <laughs> <laughs> also, but, other game developers are available. <laughs> uh, and then I've got my iPhone 6 Plus, which has been serving me well for just over a year now and it's still pretty cool uh i got an ipad pro as well because i'm still in that i run my own business on the side thing and i'm still in that well it's a new apple device i need to have it uh otherwise i can't make apps for it not that i've released an app for like a year and a half but uh, and then i got the apple watch so um yeah i guess it's only one one apple device less than ben so not too bad <laughs> um but i think now we know that we all have a massive pile of technologies please don't rob us um, <laughs> apart from me <laughs> <laughs> but don't rob me either <laughs> but we should start to think maybe a little bit about what do we do on these devices and yeah. Uh, yeah maybe hint as to whether the iPad Pro could be could be a step in the direction for something that could replace them so uh, what do you guys do primarily I guess on your your laptops is probably the, the thing to think about first um, do you think you could do those things on a tablet if it was designed in the right way. Ben? Um, well, for me, I mean, I, <laughs> this sounds really bad. I don't really use the laptop either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my main work machine is obviously the 5K iMac, mm. um, which is just lovely. Um, but I have a laptop. I, I actually bought the MacBook 12-inch because I was going to Sweden to see a certain someone uh, and work on an app. <laughs> Uh, and I realized I didn't have a laptop anymore because I'd sold my Retina MacBook Pro to get the iMac. Um, and then I thought, ah, I'm going over to Sweden for four days to work on an app, <laughs> and I don't have a computer, and I'm not taking an iMac on the plane. Uh, so then I bought the 12-inch MacBook, so I thought, ah, it'd be nice and small. It's not going to be very, very powerful for the kind of work that I usually do, but it's not going to be my main machine. Like, I used to use a MacBook Pro plugged into an external display, um, Whereas nowadays, I'm always on the iMac. Uh, so really, the MacBook is purely for doing development work. Uh, usually, like while I'm in bed, I'll mm. sit and do a bit of coding sometimes. So um, last Saturday night, I just sat, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last Saturday, I sat in bed until about 3 a.m. just building a little Apple TV app just to sort of see how it works. I just did that on the MacBook, and that was fine. Um, and yesterday, when my iMac 
uh, had been completely wiped due to the Windows installation. <laughs> um, I used the MacBook uh, to encode uh, Thursday's episode of South Park so that I could watch it on my Apple TV. Um, and it took ages because the process is so bad. On my iMac, I can encode a TV show in about uh, seven minutes. Uh, the MacBook took an hour and 20. <laughs> yeah, it's just not, it's just not built for that. That's it's continuous how, work, is it? It's, no, it's, it's spiked terrible up. for you. Terrible. How old is your MacBook, Ben? So, what year was it? Uh, it was uh, this year, April. Really? The Mac- oh, so the, oh, is it, it's the new MacBook, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the little tiny 12-inch one. Which is actually fairly underpowered, isn't it, compared to the, the MacBook Pros? And it, isn't it comparable to a MacBook Air? It's comparable to a MacBook Air from four years ago. Right. So, uh, so I mean, the thing about it is, like, the processor runs, at, I don't know, it's like 1.2 gigahertz or something, isn't yeah. it? But it can actually turbo boost up to, like, 2.8, which is probably faster than the MacBook Air, but only for 15 seconds until it, the heat goes up. Because there's no fan in it, right? It's just yeah, it's, it's no it's fan silent running. It's um, tiny. I mean, it's, it's actually thinner. I'm just comparing it to my iPad Pro. It's thinner than the iPad Pro. Mm. It's very, very thin. Um, and it's lovely, um, but it is not designed to be a macbook pro replacement i mean and i guess i mean the cool thing is like it spikes up so if you're if you're viewing web pages like most people will be doing then in that second that the web page is rendering you get 2.8 gigahertz so that is zippy and then it goes back down to 1.2 gigahertz again so it's using up hardly any battery which is great i think for just general use and probably even compiling if it's only small ios apps because you change your file you hit compile and it builds Seems but to be if fine. You're doing something big like crunching photos in Photoshop. Okay, one or two, it'll be fine. Um, but if you're doing it, you know, like crunching through a hundred photos in Photoshop, it's going to take significantly longer because it's going to have to run at that lower clock speed most of the time to keep the power and the heat down. So, um, and so the question is, why would I choose this over a MacBook Air, which is more powerful? And the simple reason is that the MacBook has a Retina display, and the MacBook Air doesn't. It's also thinner than an 11-inch MacBook Air. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. It's tiny. But anyway, I, I rarely use it. I mean, I use it for development work, um, and that's about it. Uh, if I'm going to do anything, like if I'm just reading articles or something in bed or reading a book or whatever, I generally do that on the iPhone mm. and now possibly the iPad. But the MacBook, I mean, I rarely use it. It's really just for when I need to do work in Xcode whilst I'm traveling. So what are the, uh, what are the top three things that you do on your iMac, would you say, then? Like... Uh... What do you spend your most of your time doing on the iMac? Well, the iMac is also slightly tricky for me because I keep it in my office and I try only to be in there like nine till six in a weekday. Um, so generally work. Um, I play some games on it, not really very many because I do that on the Xbox. Um, but it'll just be generic things, you know, checking email, reading RSS feeds, that kind of stuff, um, Twitter. But really it's all about work, doing stuff in Xcode. So uh, I, I guess the well, let's move on to Chris and uh, see what your your main use case is for these devices. So what what would you say you spend most of your time doing on your Mac Mini or even your work machine? I mean, let's consider this as something that could replace machines. You know, tablets replacing machines everywhere. What would you say that the top three things are that you do on your your devices, Chris? <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. so uh well maybe i'll i'll have a little think about what i do so i guess i primarily on my windows machine play games um and they're reasonably high powered games because i want to 
see them in glorious 1440p. Um, but having a dedica dedicated GPU there is what really makes a difference. As for my MacBook Pro, or I guess at work, when I'm at work, I spend most of my time coding. So I have a Xcode or Visual Studio open and grinding away producing code. But I, I mean, for most people, I think the primary use case is always still going to be website, email, YouTube, maybe Spotify or an equivalent. And that's, I, I think that's something that most people would use. And I, one thing I didn't mention is uh, like music is that my iMac is used as a media server as well. So <clears throat> I have, well, I did have a huge iTunes library. It's like 60 gigs of TV shows, movies, music, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that streams around the house when I need it. So the iMac is always on for me uh, and always being used, uh, but it's not really my use case, if you see what I mean. Um, and now that I'm switching over to Plex, because iTunes home sharing is so terrible, um, it's possible that I could just buy a little standalone uh, NAS drive and stick Plex Media Server on that, and then I wouldn't need the iMac to do that stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to tempt fate one more time and say, uh, so Chris, what are your uh, primary device usage? And do you think you could do any of those things on a tablet that you currently go to your PC to do? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, when I was just running on the Mac Mini, I was using it for a combination of things. I was using it to code uh, primarily websites, to, um, so slightly different to the development that you guys do. Um, and a bit of gaming, uh, like I would play, like I play Civ Five on it, and I play StarCraft Two on it, and things like that. Um, and it was primarily my work machine. And I, actually, when I got my MacBook Air, oh, look, here he comes again. When I got, oh, bear with. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, his timing is amazing today. Some cheese, but he what what uh, you don't know is that I've been giving him lots of cheese. So I think <laughs> I know. when I got my Mac book, <sighs> I'll come back to me. Yes. <laughs> cool. So I think uh, I think some of the things that have come out of this is that we primarily things that I mean again beyond the web and things that you can definitely already do on a tablet. Gaming and coding are two of the things that we do quite a lot. And we'll go to other devices for other than tablets. Yeah, so uh, with gaming, gaming's an interesting one because, <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't really do much Mac gaming because there isn't much, to be honest. Uh, and what there is tends to be older things like Portal 2 or stuff on Steam. Mm. Um, and a lot of what is new and coming out is also available on iPad, iPhone, and now potentially Apple TV. Um, and then, of course, you've got your consoles for much bigger games like Fallout 4, for example, I could play on uh, PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One, something like that. So I, I kind of think that a tablet doesn't necessarily need to do the gaming stuff, but it already kind of does. But the development side of it is where that would be more useful for me. But I, I've been thinking about this a lot over the last a couple of days because it's it's rumored that apple are actually making some kind of xcode touch that will run on the ipad pro and let you make apps and games on there but i'm just not sure how well that would work like i use a 27 inch screen at 5k resolution all the time 
Um, and I find that too small sometimes, especially when you're dealing with storyboards where you've got, say you're working on an iPad Pro app, for example, it's going to be huge. Uh, and so if you've got a storyboard and then you've got half the screen with code, you've got your debugger, you've got your assets, you've got all kinds of other stuff, there's just not much room to do it all in. Uh, and I think trying to do that on a little, a comparatively little iPad Pro screen, I just don't see it working very well myself. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, again, we'll maybe sort of discuss gaming in a minute, but looking at the coding, I think uh, the biggest problem with app development specifically is that you want that space so you can lay out the visuals and the storyboard. Whereas if it was just writing raw code, I think maybe Chris would have a better time if you're doing just web development on a tablet because you can do that without necessarily having a, a, you know, a massive 1440p or 5K screen. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Do you think? Uh... Yeah, it's interesting to say that because when, I, uh, as I was trying to say before uh, our fourth co-host came in, um, I when I got my MacBook Air, it was when I was working trying to build up my web development portfolio, and also I was I was being uh, like full time dad, so quite a lot of the time we were sort of going out trips and things and I would take him to the play center and then I would sit on my MacBook and I would just build websites while he was playing mm. um, and it's you know the the MacBook Air is actually a fantastic machine for for building sort of lightweight stuff like you know web development I'm, I'm not I'm entirely convinced how well it would run uh, I mean it runs Xcode and it runs sort of Java IDEs absolutely fine but I don't know how it would cope if you were building quite a heavyweight application what do you think, though, if uh, if you try to take that web development experience and put it on a tablet? I mean, yeah, a bigger so, tablet than the one you've got, maybe like the thirteen-inch. Yeah, well, um, I, I, so the the I when I'm doing web stuff, I use an ID called Coda um, from Panic Inc. Awesome and they, yes, great. So they've released. They have just released. Um, uh, I think they've they've or they've had it out for a while, but they've just upgraded basically their iPad version. I think they've actually now turned it into a a full fledged IDE, and it, it was a fairly recent uh, move. I'm trying to think whether it was before the announcement of the iPad Pro or not. So I don't know whether they had that in mind. Um, but I haven't made the move to that because I'm I'm not convinced that my iPad would work for coding websites and the the primary reason for that is because my iPad 3 has become so horribly slow mm. um you know running because uh, I'm running iOS 9 on it and it was actually 8 that that was really you know that that was the straw that broke the camel's back as soon as I went upgraded it to 8 it just became a very different tablet and and it was iOS 8 that made me stop using my iPad really uh I think an iPad Pro um I guess you could do web development on it, and that would be fine. And and Coda has a built-in, um, you know, rendering tool, so you don't need to switch between browser and editor. Although anyone who does web development knows that that's kind of not true, because you really need to be able to look at your thing in in a variety of different browsers, and and a simulator is just a simulator. Um, in the same way that I wouldn't. 100% rely on Chrome's uh, developer tools for looking at mobile responsive sites. You know, you, you have to actually look at it on a phone because quite often something that Chrome says will look great on an iPhone does look great on an iPhone. You have to look at it on an actual iPhone. Um, so I'm, I don't know, I'm torn. I mean, I think just the size of the iPad Pro, for that size, I kind of feel like I would rather just use a MacBook because they are the same size, or virtually the same size. 
I guess it boils down to, have you ever, this question for both of you, ever used your iPad with a keyboard? No, I haven't. I have, not very often. Because the problem with the iPad for editing, something like in Xcode or in uh, Coda, is that half the screen is taken up with the keyboard. So yes. you actually have much less space than you do. Now, that's good. I mean, I've used, uh, I've not used Coder, I don't think. I used, um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, there was a, another text editor um, that had FTP sort of access to it. And I've done that before when I've been out and about and something on a server's broken and I need to change it immediately. Then, oh, great, you can just fire up the iPhone and then just make a very minor edit and do it. And it's fine for little one-off things, but I wouldn't want to be doing a whole website on it. But if you've got something like the iPad or the iPad Pro and you've got an external keyboard, at that point it is becoming more MacBook-like, um, mm-hmm. especially if you take the iPad Pro. Uh, I mean, it, it is practically the same size as a 13-inch MacBook Air uh, when you've got a keyboard on. Um, but the advantage is that you can take the keyboard off and then you've just got the iPad. And then it really boils down to the software that you have um, and whether that's any better than having it on a laptop. And I guess there's still like, um, I think I'm starting to, like after this discussion, lean towards what you were saying. Like I think the iPad could be a useful tool. I think the iPad Pro with a keyboard would be even better for this. It could be great if you're sitting in the library with your with your kid or something and you just need to do half an hour of edits to a website for a client or something. I think mm. that experience would be pretty good because it's smaller to carry around you might be carrying it around anyway. You wouldn't have to say, oh, I'm going to bring my iPad in case I want to do this and my MacBook Air in case I need to work. You can just take one device. Um, but I still think, I guess if you're doing web development or iOS development, you still want something where, like the mouse is still a particularly useful tool for precision. Um, and it's kind of fine to not have one for an hour or two, but if you're doing eight-hour days, um, yeah, having that mouse to like browse the web without having to reach across the a keyboard to tap the screen or even use a pencil you know uh, but yeah. then uh, that's one of the problems uh, with iOS 9 and it's even more peculiar when you look at the Apple TV um, and the reason is that they've improved the keyboard support dramatically with things like you can command tab to go between apps which is so nice because that's probably like the first thing you learn to do on a computer mm. uh, is you know alt tab to just switch between apps quickly um, and you could never do that on the iPad until now. Um, and they've got things like keyboard shortcuts. If you hold down the command key for a second or two, it'll bring up this nice little cheat sheet that says, here's all the uh, keyboard shortcuts for the app you're currently using, which is nice because you can't get that on the Mac. You have to go through all the toolbar and everything to see all the shortcuts. But the problem is that you can't use the arrow keys to navigate around the interface of the apps unless it's been specifically coded in. And because so few people use keyboards with iPads, uh, most developers don't bother doing that. But it's strange because if you look at the Apple TV, uh, they've got this amazing thing called the focus engine, uh, which basically when you lay out your interface, you don't have to worry about it because the uh, remote will automatically know where everything is spatially so that when you swipe around with the trackpad, uh, it'll go from left to right or up and down as you swipe to the next button without the developer having to code all of that in manually. It just knows how it will appear and mm. takes things like capacity and layout into consideration. But it doesn't do that on the iPad. And to me, it would make more sense if the focus engine was in the iPad 
so that when you press down on the keyboard, it'll automatically go down to the next button. And allegedly, um, I saw yesterday actually a developer had found that the UI engine does exist in iOS 9.1, but it's nowhere near ready. <laughs> <laughs> but if that was there, that would suddenly become a lot easier because then you wouldn't need to keep reaching over to touch with your finger to do things. Mm. Like now, at least you don't need to reach over to switch apps, which was always the pain. Um, but there is still the pain of navigating through the interface without touching it. And that's what you want to get to is a point where you can control everything with the keyboard or practically everything with the keyboard so that you can just be productive. Because if you have to keep stopping and poking, it's irritating. And it's also painful after a while. If you're working eight hours, you don't want to be touching the screen all the time, which is why they don't make touchscreen MacBooks or touchscreen iMacs, because holding your hand up is pain. Yeah, it's, it's a gimmick yeah. on a lot of Windows laptops, but I don't think it's useful. So um, I think what would be remiss, I know this is going to be met with hisses and boos from maybe the both of you, but it'd be bad of us to talk about the hybrid of a PC and a tablet without bringing up the Surface Pro, which is Microsoft's attempt at solving this problem. And uh, I mean, I mean, now it's actually very close to the iPad Pro. I mean, it's Hardware-wise, it's probably slightly more powerful, but then it ha I think it has fans in. Maybe not the latest one, uh, but size-wise, it's the same. It's got like a, it's got the sort of keyboard cover and it's got a stylus. So I mean, it's a, a very similar device in terms of hardware, but the biggest difference is it's running Windows 10, um, which obviously get get over the badness of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, well, I kind of like but, Windows 10. You know, Windows 10 is is fine. But the interesting thing is the the power that brings, because obviously. The thing I would miss as well if I was trying to work solely on like an, an iOS device would be like you can't write a Python script just to do something useful, <laughs> you know, which are all these things that developers like to do. Um, whereas with a full Windows machine, you can you can run DOSBox and you can run Neverwinter Nights if you want to. Uh, it runs some quite modern games, but you can also script things up and do everything from the ground up. And I and I kind of wonder what it would be like to take OS X and install it on a Surface Surface Pro Four. That could be quite a cool experience. But I think that does a that is the closest I've seen to having a one device rules all. I still don't think it, it serves that purpose quite well enough yet. But it's really <laughs> cool that you can do all the stuff you can do on your regular Windows PC on a tablet and you can attach and detach the keyboard and use it like a PC. That's, it's a cool device. And it's yeah. uh, too big a conversation to get into here, but the, the problem with one device everywhere is nearly always the software, not the hardware. Mm, um, yeah. In that... Uh, the iPad Pro hardware is great, and the Surface Pro is probably just as good, and you've got laptops are fine. But the issue is that if you have something that you want to be a tablet with no keyboard, then the only input really is touch. But when you have a keyboard, you generally want a mouse as well to do more advanced things. And trying to have an interface which works with mouse and finger inputs Merging those two together, they just don't merge very well, and you end up with Windows 8, uh, <laughs> where you either have massive touch interface where, yes, you can click these with a button, with a mouse, but everything's far too big, it doesn't need to be, or you get into the same Windows 8 situation where they go, okay, well, here's the touch interface and here's the non-touch interface. Um, and I, I kind of think how cool would the iPad Pro be like if you could pair a mouse and keyboard with it and when you did that it used OS X instead mm. and it's like uh, kind of would but there'd be no consistency between it like let's say I've got 
uh, Safari open and a text document open. If I then unpair the keyboard and thing, does it go into a completely separate iOS shell where it doesn't remember where I was? Or does it try to go, okay, here's Safari with your tab open, here's Coda with that document in. And then you're dealing with universal apps across Mac and iOS and saving state between them and keeping the features the same. And it's like even Apple can't keep the features the same between iOS and OS X. There's no chance that developers are going to do all of that work to try and make that happen. Uh, And it would just end up being a a crappy experience. I think it's admirable that Microsoft are trying. Um, With Windows 10, they're getting closer to a reasonable solution. But the Surface Pro does feel more like a, a PC that you can sometimes run as a tablet rather than a tablet that is like rather than something in the middle it's like yeah it's a pc uh, if i run excel even in touch mode it's still going to be lots of tiny buttons and so not overly usable mm-hmm. um, but i guess they feel different slightly different niches and i, I think the surface is the closest to being in the middle because you can use it as a tablet but it's not anywhere near the ios tablet experience and, i mean is it time with the ipad pro which i mean certainly the the stats make it look really impressive next to a MacBook. So is it I mean is it time for OS X to make it across to the iPad Pro? I wouldn't have thought so because to do that you would need to have a mouse cuz OS X is just not designed for touch input. I mean mm. everything is too small. Um it, it just wouldn't work in terms of touch areas and that kind of stuff. So you'd need to have a mouse. Um, and then at that point, you're just using it on a desktop, and it's like, well, why not just have a desktop or a laptop? Mm. I mean, yes, you could have one device, but uh, looking at it logically, Apple doesn't want you to have one device because <laughs> they, want, mm. they want you to buy two devices because that's how True. they make their money. They don't make it on software. They make it on having, you know, selling the hardware. That's why they can write off huge things like Apple Music or yeah. iCloud. Mm. which you know are huge costs to them but they're just small footnotes because that's the kind of thing that gets people to buy the hardware and locks you into the ecosystem and upgrade so yeah. i don't think they have any interest in making one device that rules all i mean they showed that graphic when the um apple watch was announced which was kind of like the evolution of man although it's backwards um because <laughs> you at the bottom is the apple watch and then an iphone and then an ipad and then a MacBook, and then an iMac. And they don't necessarily want you to own all of them, although they'd be happy if you did, but they want you to own at least probably two of those things. Yeah, This is just a range of products that you can own. I don't think they'll ever get to a point where you can do all of that stuff in one device. And nor should Most people can get by. I I mean, I'm I'm coming rapidly to a conclusion here. Uh, We're all developers so it, it's a bit trickier. But for most people, I think you could get rid of a MacBook and use an iPad in its place. I mean, it's probably easier Like with, with your wives. Do they use laptops? And if they do, do they need to? Could they do everything they do on a laptop and an iPad? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, my wife uh, has an a iPad mini, which she loves. Um, and then... I've got my MacBook Air, which I think she loves a bit more. <laughs> yeah, she 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 had as, as, at the point when she figured out how to use OS X, she has made the transition to using my MacBook more than her iPad. Interesting. 
And my mm. wife does uh, some Python and data analysis using R and MATLAB and things. So I, there's <laughs> nothing nothing to substitute that on an iPad yet. So mm. unfortunately, there's another case which is too technical. But again, not 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 representative of the general population. I was going to say, and that's probably the most showy thing you've said. Like you, you could, <laughs> you could the point where you like check out my graphics card that's got 1440p. Look at all my devices, but no, my wife uses Python and MATLAB. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but cool. I think this is a good time though to to wrap it up. So maybe if we can just go around and, and say our final thoughts on this this topic. So Chris. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that the iPad will ever replace um, the laptop because I I like to take my MacBook out and about to work on. And if I'm going on a train or something, I will take my iPad and probably play a game on it or read like a digital comic. But I won't I won't ever take my iPad and think, great, I'm, I'm going to build a website on my iPad, I will I will just take my MacBook for that because it's so light and powerful, you know. I think my feeling is that for most people, I think over the next couple of years they will transition to just having tablets, um, and that most people will go to a job somewhere and they might do work on a computer, uh, but in the evenings most people don't have computers. I mean, we're very much not the right people for this discussion because we've probably had computers for years and years and years and years and we like building them and playing with them and doing all kinds of stuff with uh, a proper computer. But most people I know uh, who are not tech workers um, either don't have a computer at home or if they do, it's like an old PC in a corner which they occasionally use for whatever. Um, and for most people, I think that they could get by with just a tablet um, most people do everything that they want to on an iPhone anyway, um, mm. especially like the the younger generation, um, like your son Chris. I mean, he'll be you know he's already using an iPad. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, in like five six years, do you think he'll have a laptop, or do you think he'll just keep using an iPad and he'll just be used to touch interfaces and like the the concept of having a large computer fixed to a desk would be completely alien. I don't know. I mean, obviously. When he gets older, he's going to need to. I don't know. That's a really good question because technology, the, the, even the iPad technology is going so fast. I'd always assumed that when he was a bit older, we would probably have like an iMac in the living room that he could do his homework on and such. But you're right, he could probably be able to do everything on the iPad by that point. And that's what I think will happen for most mm. for most people that they'll be able to do an iPad. Like for mm. people like us that are making, you know software essentially mm. uh that's a lot harder uh especially because mm. you need to test on so many devices but i think for most people they'd be fine with just an ipad it's yeah a really really interesting point i mean uh, i think i'm still slightly in the camp that uh people who want to be productive at home are probably still going to want a pc so even if you're just some even if you're i think just you know if you're a business person and you like to write documents at home and things i think not just emails but actual reports and documents and having a a real station with a keyboard is probably like a good for your mindset to go over and sit at the computer and work um and i guess maybe we just don't need one device i think that's what this discussion has made me think like it's like it's kind of cool that there are devices out there that can proxy as the other 
So you can mm. get a Surface Pro or an iPad Pro and it can do some of the stuff a PC can do and the Surface Pro can do some of the stuff a tablet can do. But maybe that's that's where we should, yeah, we should be happy with that. It's like, that's cool. If I leave my tablet at home, I've got something that can place it for a day. If I need to do a little bit of work in the park or something, I can just quickly get my iPad out and do some. But, you know, the iPad is a, it's a great device for like reading and consuming and watching and reading. Um, the PC with the keyboard and the mouse is a, is a great device for producing and writing yeah. and, and putting things in. And maybe that's how it should go. And, and the fact that PCs now are advancing quite slowly, I mean, really slowly compared to how they used to, a five-year-old PC nowadays is still fine for 90% of people who just want to write Word documents and, and do basic work on it. And I guess most people can probably therefore afford both the PC and an iPad now, whereas five years ago they couldn't. So I think that's what I think at the end of it all. Maybe we, there's still a place for both devices. Some people won't need both if you just want to read the web, you know, read some comics, read a website at home and do some email. You probably don't need a home PC anymore for that. But I, I think people who actually want to be productive in any reasonable sense outside of work there's always a space for the PC, but they're so cheap now. You can get mm. laptops for 300 quid. You know, there's no reason not to have both. So. Cool. But I think that wraps it up nicely. So, uh, yeah. We... Interesting discussion, actually. Cool. So you've been, uh, you've been carefully listening to an awesome podcast called The Divide. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> you can check out our website at www.thedivide.co.uk where you can check out our last episode and maybe if you're listening to this sometime in the future, some of our future episodes where I'm sure we'll get even more professional and hardcore. So uh, <laughs> we'll be recording the next show in two weeks' time and hopefully they'll start to appear on the website at some point soon. So thank you ever so much for listening. Once again, you've been listening to Divide. I've been John and joining me today, Ben and Chris. <laughs>